0: This is Paul.
1: This is Caroline.
0: And tonight we're going to talk about the 13th episode of the third season of Hulu's The Handmaid's Tale. This one is called Mayday.
1: Finale! Paul, this is the big finale. Were you ready for a finale? Were you ready for this season to wrap up?
0: Yeah. Yeah, I was. I thought that the season story arc... It was kind of mismanaged in a way. Oh, um, tell me. That the emotional weight of it all seems, at least for me, seems tied up with the heavier plot stuff that they put all in the last couple of episodes. I agree. You know, they started killing characters again and started you know, doing decisive kinds of things instead of all this other stuff that they had going on in the first nine episodes. I thought that, that those beats should have been, you know, you wouldn't eat a sandwich just by putting the peanut butter, just like wiping it on one side of the bread and then putting another piece of bread on top of it and being like, that's it. I mean, like one along one line. You know what I mean? Not like uh, spreading it out. You'd spread it uh, out.
1: I see what you're saying. Over you the want bread, a more evenness. Yeah, yeah, I get you. And not only that, but also like some of the things that have been really built up at the beginning. Maybe part of the reason why it feels super uneven is that they just kind of fell flat. Like, so for for instance, you know, we had been led up to this entire Washington D.C. story. Um, you know, and we were, like, really geared towards this entire, like, the Waterfords are going to move there. And then we had that the other family and the other commander.
0: Commander Winslow.
1: Yeah. And then that whole storyline, if you really think about it, just kind of just vaporized. You know, like, I know very much that, yeah, she killed Winslow and I get it. But that meant the entire first half of the season didn't really have any big payoff or those who have been following the Winslow, like the Winslow Fred dynamic and all those things that like could have had this like real, more interesting something.
0: Right, exactly.
1: happened. Like, we were real invested in that. I know it was a small thread, but it's like something that I really cared about. Like, what was that? Was Winslow like hovering over him as like a power move, or was he like actually trying to, you know, make a, a more romantic move on him? Like, I cared about those little small stories that just sort of got taken away without really caring about it. You I'm know? sure
0: someone could like an, analyze this if they had the time to go and, and sort this out. But at the beginning of this season, I predicted, we predicted that this season would be heavily woman character focused and pull back from the little bit that they ever spent talking about any of the men. I think that prediction largely came true with things like Nick being practically written off the show.
1: No joke.
0: And just the little bit is, I mean, with Fred out of our life and, and Joseph being pretty secretive about what he does, we didn't see a whole lot of commander action, you know? Yeah,
1: really good call. And Nick is a sp- superb example of the stuff where I was talking about from the lead up at the beginning. You know, like we had him come to say goodbye and there was like a, you know, this like push and pull of will they, won't they? And then she brings him back in. And then and then they show him walking through something that looked like anything from like, I don't know what, a plane to a submarine or I don't know what, where all those men were like saluting him. We had the part with the, you know, question, uh, questioning kind of interview part, all those things. That, and then Nick's just like not in the rest of the season. Like, yeah. what? It's a strange thing like the things that I think that's why it feels uneven is what I'm trying to say is that if they had paid us off on any of the things that were going on like where if they had said something about Nick in one of these last episodes I feel like at least we would have felt like well that's why we should have paid attention to those first episodes as is you could have not watched anything about the Winslow story and just jumped right exactly to where we are and been fine
0: where I was going with that comment was just that if you look at the first two seasons we did get a little bit of the commander stuff or alternate I don't know just yeah. just, just other stories beyond, beyond what's happening to June. We've got a little bit of what's happening Serena in this season but 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 not as much as we really were hungry for. I mean, I think this is uh this reminds me a little bit of prior to the release of the Matrix sequels, every Matrix fan in the world came out with these theories about what they thought was going to happen in the next movies and Every single one was disappointed with how the movie came out because it didn't live up to their, what they thought the potential of the first movie gave them. Okay. You know? So when this season is still very young and we're like, oh, Serena and June have to team up, they're going to be like this weird behind-the-scenes yeah. power thing. and
1: Or, like, Winslow is going to, like, Fred's going to get, like, gang-raped by a bunch of commanders, and that's going to be, like, a real comeuppance. Right. Like, we really thought that, that there was going to be some real strange, like, fraternity house hazing of coming to Washington, and it was going to get nuts, and he was finally going to get a taste of his own medicine and all that kind of stuff, and it was like, wait... None of that
0: happens. I think our imaginations wrote a better season than we. I kind we, of feel like got.
1: they did. Let's talk about that for a second. I know we had talked about the idea that Elizabeth Moss has, you know, always had the main character role however she also moved into the producer role and we have talked a lot about the idea that when that happens frequently that character really becomes front and center and a lot of the point of view is exclusively them whereas like in previous seasons we may have like you said gotten a little bit of other storylines now it's like june's a badass and that's all you need to know and you don't need to question her and you don't need to wonder why she's not getting punished and why there's not consequences that would drive with any of the other seasons, it's none of your beeswax because Elizabeth Moss is the producer now and that's all you need to know.
0: When we watched the after show stuff and 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 they're talking to elizabeth moss about the decision for her character to basically martyr herself for the other handmaids and and children to get away mm-hmm. and she's just like explaining this very calmly like like it just came over her character that she knew that she was needed to be the one in the middle of this martyring action that was a the only solution possible and b she was the only person to do it to me that spoke to your point about the the actor producer becoming christ-like in the, in their own story you know mm. and the, the character just becomes all-encompassing like everything's got to happen through them i understand that's kind of the point of these shows but It's I think it works in kind of a detriment and like it's very inconsistent. Like this character just two episodes ago was like Hannah, 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 Right. So to
1: decide to die or in any way martyr herself instead of getting her kid out seems like a little like eyebrow raising. And you know who it would have made a hell of a lot more sense to have actually play that role of running, you know, like the the distraction?
0: Uh, I think her name rhymes with Smanine.
1: Oh my God, that's perfect. Yes, Janine made perfect sense. She would be the person who's got just enough of this sort of like off her rocker, wouldn't exactly absorb the consequences of what she was doing. And also that innocence of like I just want to save all these kids and it doesn't matter to me how this all goes down and because they had already told us that her son had passed away I feel like in a lot of ways they kind of started to close her story down for us she had had a moment with June where she was the linchpin and June realizing like you've become like a cold hearted asshole and I don't like you that happened in the hospital room remember yep. so she played like a really important role and she also played important roles for Lynch but wouldn't it have been just such a a amazing end to her character to allow her to have murdered herself and have saved all of those children and allow her to actually just die like we don't have to have ended it vaguely she could have just died and then it would have made sense that there would not have been any worry about consequences really for this because well that's just janine She's silly old Janine. And they almost set us up for that because in the episode when Janine is passing that piece of soap into June's bag, Lydia's walking behind. The two of them, the two handmaids have like a little (laughs) between them. And Lydia's like, what's that about? And June says, oh, you know, silly Janine. Yeah. You know, like you could have just piggybacked on that and let it fly. Like it was all Janine's plan. Janine put this together. We all underestimated her. Hell, she got a baby on a bridge, so that woman is capable of some things, and yet has that, you know, naivete slash not quite there that she would run and, you know, in into the line of fire. That would have been Absolute perfection to me for this finale. June makes no goddamn sense. No goddamn sense. Because now, what in what in the world with that character? What in the world?
0: It's it's like they wanted to have the scene where she blew his face off. I think if you needed that scene, you could have done it with him chasing your rabbit, Mm Janine. Meanwhile, Janine or sorry, June still has the handgun. Mm -hmm. So when he goes that way, shoot him in the back. This isn't a, this isn't like a, a game about fair play.
1: Right. You know? It would have been kind of amazing if you think about that. Because you're right. She would have truly been the rabbit. And who would have ever thought a handmaid could come up behind with a gun? Like freaking amazing. Never, ever. I know. Again, I think we just wrote a way better episode just now. <laughs> but let's get into this episode, Paul, because I know we have a lot of commentary on different parts of it. But I mean, overall, I felt like things did happen. Mm-hmm. And so for that, I give it, you know, two thumbs up. But on the how it happened, mm, I give it the like, I'm not so sure. Let's start in Canada. <laughs> give
0: the side eye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm,
1: you know what I'm doing. I'm looking out the side of my wimple, like I'm looking around the edge of my wimple. Like really, that was the best you could do. Yeah. All right, let's hit up Canada. Fred, Serena, too low. You sneaky too low, you.
0: Yeah, the punchline of everything happening in Canada is that Fred is A, being kind of compliant, and B, decides to rat out Serena. Get a little goose is good for the gander business. Yeah,
1: well, so, okay, uh, that beginning part when Fred was sort of doing like these like interviews, what was your read on that? Was he actually like sort of like enjoying the spotlight that he had there or the fact that they were sort of like waiting on everything he said.
0: I didn't get that read, but I could see that because he's always got that that sneering condescending, you know, laid back look, you know, he, he he's always leaning back in his chair, shirt's halfway undone, uh, answering questions is just just without any real hurry or anything like that. Like like they're they're all waiting on me for these answers, kind of kind of thing. I didn't. Look and he's at it like that. the
1: smartest guy in the room in that moment, you know, like in the in the in the tell me about Gilead facts kind of way, you know. Mm-hmm. Now. On the whole switcheroo on Serena, they had done a decent job of really building up Serena's excitement about freedom. For all of her since, her finally getting to drive that car again, feeling the you know, wind in her hair, all the way through her like getting to wear normal clothes, her getting to read the newspaper, think about places you want to live. All this stuff has been happening the second half of the season, and now she has time with the baby, and there's this big slap in the face.
0: Right. Gets arrested and the whole thing, all of a sudden, the the, uh, the iron curtain comes down on, on her.
1: Now, did you expect that they, the meeting, the, the officials, would accept what Fred said and somehow actually not accept some feeling of like, no, this was under duress, this is Something that, like, if the handmaid didn't get pregnant, you know, that whole household was going to be killed or whatever. Like, couldn't you spin something to make this work?
0: Well, that's for the investigation to sort out. I think if if I were if I were there, if I were too low and and I was listening to her, and she goes, Nick and Alfred had a relationship since she. I, still insists on using that name Alfred. I'd I'd be like, mm, mm, you're not she quite
1: calling I didn't even remember yeah.
0: that. Yeah. I'd be like, you're not quite looking at her like a human. Yet. Okay. Okay. Um so yeah, I, I it would be a like not a not like a signed and sealed confirmation, but it would it it's not a neutral way to say that defense either, I don't think.
1: Okay. Now, it will be interesting to see, you know, who is going to be brought before to say that it was a forced situation. Nick and June did have a relationship. Fred and Serena, they only know bits and pieces of of those things. In fact, I do have to ask, why does Fred know that Serena pushed them together or forced that situation?
0: I forget who it was, but one one of them used it against him to hurt him, to set it to him.
1: Well, June said, June said that Serena had pushed them to do it. See, I knew that it was like, well, at least it's not your baby. Like he knew it's not, he knew it's Nick's. Mm -hmm. But how did the, how did Fred know Serena forced them to do that?
0: You know, I can't say. I mean, that's a. Maybe it's you think it's just like a stab? like like.
1: I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Is it a stab in the dark on Fred's part? Listeners, sure.
0: let us know yeah, what we missed. Yeah, you guys
1: remember, like, how is it that... Fred would would know that Serena actually took her to see Nick. Now, the only the only thing that I could come up with is that Fred's trying to come up with some way that his impenetrable fortress could possibly have allowed Nick and June to have an actual relationship. Like that's too much to think about. So, it must be that Serena must have forced that situation. But I mean, that's real far-fetched unless you had like something else, you know?
0: I mean, very early on, no, it might just be a combination of things like his own gut. Because at that point, he still thought Nick was his man, you know?
1: Mm-hmm. Puzzling. Yeah. Anyway, well, we definitely want to hear what you guys think about that. And definitely want to hear what you guys think about how they sort of wrapped up the Waterford scene here. So, I mean, we had them the entire season, you know, having this adventure going to Washington, D.C., interacting with the Winslows, then deciding to pull this completely other... Um, you know, road of deciding to get Nicole back, and then Serena setting up Fred, realizing you know she's she is the only way that that they're going to get Nicole back, and ultimately it's going to have to be her, and then Fred and her being in this like Canadian you know, lockup, whatever. <laughs> right. Yeah, like what do you guys think? Did the Waterfords was this a was this a satisfying? Chain of events for the Waterfords. Did enough happen? Did you feel good about it? Did it feel like we got payoffs on the the little rabbit holes that they sort of drug us down in different ways? Or, you know, would you have liked to see something more? Was this twisty turny enough, or was it too twisty turny?
0: Seeing the Waterfords face a little piece of American justice is is satisfying. Agree. I see them being the boogeyman for the whole series, though. I don't imagine that this is, you know, it. You know, that they're just going to be incarcerated now. That, that That's the end of the story. I don't see it that. It can't big. be.
1: There has to be something more complicated. You know, that's why it would not surprise me if Serena wiggles out of these charges. Because I just think that you really could make a, a real case that entire households were being killed for the action of a handmaid. Or the action of one person, a Martha, whomever, in the household. The handmaid not getting pregnant was a huge, like, you know, black mark on your household. So yes, I sought out another way for our handmaid to get pregnant, knowing that my husband had fertility issues that were, you know, we knew before we even went into the Gilead life. So this is what I did to me. You know, is it like you should absolutely be punished in some way? Sure, I suppose. But I really think you could say this was you know, Fred was threatening me every night and, and June was getting beat and I just was looking for anything to help our family, you know? Like, you could say something. This, I bet she wiggles out.
0: This reminds me of a classic. It's, it's it's not as dramatic, but it is... I mean, they're using it for June, the, the idea of someone getting shot at, on, on a season finale. I remember the first... At the end of the first season of 12 Monkeys, which I'm sure none of the people listening to this have watched... Uh, Cassie gets shot back in time, right? And so Aaron Stanford's character, whose name I can't remember right now, has to bring her back to the dismal future so that she can get fixed up by the... You know the the doctor that they have. That happens in like the first fifteen minutes of s- season two, episode one. It is like the least grueling bullet recovery you've ever seen. And so mm. if you're if you're binging it, it's like that's just that's just from like from one episode to the next, she just got shot. and Now she's better. If you were watching it in real time, that was your season ender. Cassie got shot. Right.
1: And you know? it had to go like months.
0: Yeah, yeah. And so this is the same sort of thing. Like Serena's in jail, but you're right. She'll probably just wiggle.
1: I think she will. And I think that, to be honest with you, I think that, you know, 90% of a jury would, if you started painting the world of Gilead and showing your lopped off pinky, I think you get a lot of sympathy, you know, and people said, no, look, this place was messed up. And if she did messed up things in a messed up place... You know, it's kind of like
0: if she starts calling her June, then we'll know that she's getting with the program.
1: Yeah, I I like that. Like like uh, I'll give you an example. They had that at that conversation with Emily and Moira. And when they said Emily's like, have I changed? Am I a different person now? because I killed someone and because I I stabbed Lydia. And Moira said, have you killed or stabbed Lydia since you've been, or anyone since you've been out of Gilead? And she's like, no. She's like, then you're fine. I kind of think that's that, why wouldn't that same reasoning apply to Serena? Did you do fucked up things in a fucked up place? You did. But if you're a normal person, when you're in a normal place, then I don't think you have to think you're that bad. Do you know? Like yeah. you, you did really insane things, but it was a very insane circumstances. And they already laid that, that um, excuse out to us with Emily and Moira. So how are you going to forgive them? And you can't forgive Serena? How? Why? For, for making two people have sex as opposed to killing people, running someone's head over. Yeah. I mean, I don't know.
0: With And they're not, they've already kind of established at least the Swiss, People like, like they can't trust Nick. Like for whatever reason, they right. can't use Nick.
1: Right, and, and
0: so, um,
1: so then totally like who who's gonna? This is a
0: he said she said, and they don't really have any forensic they have evidence. Jew. They just they do. I mean, they they have the baby, so they can say you know he's not related to these two people. Right, uh, but other than that, they can't. You know, no, there's nobody
1: to tell. So yeah, no, and and even if the real story was there, let's say it was all videotaped. You still could say, in my mind, I was thinking, Fred's gonna come home and cut my other finger off if, if this girl's not pregnant. So I better do something. Yeah. You know, it's just yeah. too easy, you know, yeah. too easy. So that's the Waterfords for us for that entire season. I um I wonder about the whole idea of the of of Serena becoming this outside of the wives clothing kind of person, you know, like Emily now wears glasses and it's like so funny to see her. She looks like Arthur from um, you know, the work.
0: Yeah. She's a little, a little on the dowdy side.
1: Yeah. Not only that, but just like a little, like, she just, she's just, um, I don't know. It's like they took her down several notches, like intensity wise. As a handmaid, she was like real intense. Mm -hmm. And like now she's just, dowdy might not be the right thing, but she's just real like watered down as a person. You know, she just seems real like, I don't know. Right. Just kind of hanging around.
0: Cardigans and kind of hanging around,
1: Yeah. And so I'm kind of wondering what they're going to do with Serena. Like, is she going to maintain any sense of the intensity that she was at Serena Waterford? Is she going to come into this world? Like, I'm going to, I want to be like a world leader. Or is she going to be like, I'm cool with just like driving carpool and like, it's cool. Like, I don't need to do anything. I'm curious. Are they going to try to make her make a difference? I don't know. Next season, folks. Next season. Let's look forward to it. Right. Let's get to the big... Big, big, big entree here, Apollo, June, and this entire adventure, the, the Mayday adventure, which can I just say from the get go, you know, when the person says, is this Mayday? And June takes a beat and then says, yeah, it is. I kind of want to be like, I'm making a very pursed face right now. <laughs> you ain't Mayday. And like, you know, very well that other handmaids and Martha's have other deals going. Why you, why you co-op in their word and acting like you're the original Mayday when you never were?
0: Plagiarism. Shame on you. As a book editor, she should know about copying.
1: Not only that, but like if you're going to have like a heist, you you name it your own name. You don't come taking somebody else's name. Dare you. You steal
0: everything in a heist.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Nice. It's a full stealing situation. Well... So right away, though, June's showing me her true colors with that because I'm like, June, God damn.
0: Let's talk about ta- June.
1: She's, she's a messy, messy well, mess. Okay.
0: So before we do that, do you want to talk about the flashback?
1: Okay, guys. So here's the deal. We're going to talk about board on this one because normally Paul and I would talk about this and we'd shut our microphones off and we'd like have like a little like back and forth where we're like, can we handle this? Can we not handle this? Which we this?
0: did not do. She's just talking, people.
1: Okay, so here's the deal. For those of you who have not listened to Paul and Caroline all these years, we have three special needs kids. Two of them are girls. One of them is deafblind. For us, for me, I will speak for myself, watching that couple minutes of the flashback and watching the little girl with Down syndrome smile and wave at pretty much the camera, although it's clear that it's like someone standing to the side, and then hearing the dogs growl and the women screeching... And realizing they're throwing all the disabled people to be eaten by dogs. Um, As you guys might imagine, as mom and as like super empathetic, I'm a teacher. I, you know, I love kids. I have obviously a huge heart for people with special needs. This almost made me want to be like, and I'm done. And we're not going to talk about this on the podcast. And I'm kind of dying inside. That I even watched this as if it's entertainment, because it's something, if you're watching it because it's a documentary and I know everybody could say, Hey, this really, this stuff really does happen in the world. I get you, but I don't watch it for fun. You know, I don't like go get like clips of, you know, disabled people being harmed and, and be like, Hey, it's a boring Saturday. Let's watch those clips that I have. Like, no. So, I had a real hard time with this.
0: I think maybe if we didn't have that connection with the special needs community, that scene or that clip even would have maybe maybe flown a little more by our radar than it than it did as someone that is, I look at that and I say, you know what? They could have cut that that shot completely and the tension Of the scene would have been 99% the same.
1: The exact shot that they could have cut is the little girl with Down syndrome smiling. Yeah. Now, you, you could have still had a group of people being thrown to the dogs and not really been very specific about that, right? Yeah. But when you see her smiling and it clicks with you, what you're looking at. That's a level of like cruelty that I know you guys, we can all say like, no, but you know, women have been raped on this show. We've seen all this. You guys are right. But, th- but having a little girl smiling because she doesn't understand what's happening and being thrown to dogs is a whole level of different cruelty. It's,
0: it's something that I think was reasonable to have assumed without having it spelled out. We don't see any disabled people anywhere mm-hmm. else in the show. hmm so I think it was just a reasonable, like, this is a very uh, eugenics-looking kind of situation. The idea of, of a group like that purifying its gene pool, all that makes sense. And if you just think about the show for, like, five minutes, without you needing to see the nitty-gritty of it, I think you can safely assume those things.
1: Can I ask you something else? Now, they stole these people from their homes, okay? Yeah. Why wouldn't you just leave them behind? Why did you bring them all the way to Gilead to kill them? Why wouldn't you just leave them someplace? Go leave them across the border. Let America or Canada take care of them. What do you care? Why go through the trouble of killing them? I mean, I guess, are we supposed to go with the idea that whomever came up with this idea, by guess Joseph, that they have intended that Gilead is going to take over the entire world. So leaving anybody behind or leaving anybody across a border or leaving anybody anywhere, well, why bother? We're just going to have to pick them up later when we then conquer that country. Is it supposed to be like that thinking?
0: It could just be like a cheap, we want to remind you of the other most famous fascist regime in the last hundred years and what they did was round up and kill people they didn't want to live or feed anymore so it's an easy way to do that because then all of a sudden you bring in other deductions that nazis did and apply it to to the gilead government and and it fills in some blanks that that they don't need to show us now because they kind of did it with this
1: Right. And I mean, obviously this entire children, you know, getting smuggling children out is a huge World War II, you know, call out. And and Underground Railroad for, for that, for those people who have brought up like Harriet Tubman references. I've seen that a lot on Facebook. Although I really think it actually leans far more into the people in Germany and Austria and other places who were able to hide children and were able to move them places. I think it speaks more to that than it really does the Underground Railroad, in my opinion. But, I mean, you could apply it just moving people in general from place to place. Um, Yeah, I don't know. You guys, I'm going to just, like, hard swallow on that that part because for me, I – It feels gratuitous. It feels over the top. It feels, you know, like for all the reasons why, you know, I shake my head at Paul and say, like, I don't know why I watch this show again. Moments like that are the times when I'm like, oh gosh, you know, like, I don't know if my heart can really handle this. I I understand, again, like, please don't be like, and how come you can put up with all the other things they do? I know I really can't, but there's something specific about this. Mm -hmm. The way they showed us that they got a lot of the people was like literally chasing them down. And for Paul and I, that's like one of our our biggest nightmares is the idea that like if we as a family had to quickly get out of a place for whatever reason people were chasing us people were there was a bomb there was a natural disaster anything if we had to quickly gather our children and run the reality is we really can't like we're a very slow group our deaf blind child really can't do that. You know, one of us would have to carry her. Um, There's a lot to that that, like, really taps into, like, our biggest fears that might be very shared, and maybe that's kind of the point of it. But somehow that feels, like, very private. And, like, they sort of pushed a button that was like, that's too much. You know, you can't. Don't do that. Yeah. Like, they haven't shown us them killing a bunch of children, right? Right. So to pick disabled people, it sort of felt like they were tap dancing on the line. Okay. And for me, it fell on the side of like, you're gross. (laughs) And like, you didn't have to do that. You could have handled it in a lot of ways. She could have read it in one of the files. Remember when she's going through Joseph's files? She could have read it in one of the files. And it would have been, the information would have gotten across to us. But it wouldn't have to be so much. As, as viewers, you guys, you guys out there, those of you who have special needs family members, those of you who do not, we would love to hear your opinions. Like, if you thought, like, oh, no, that, like, flew right by me, doesn't bother me at all, it just shows how cruel they are. To those of you who are like, oh, my God, I could see my child in that person's face and I am completely freaked out now. Um You know, we want to hear from you. We want to know what you guys think.
0: And now we're going to move on.
1: So we had that like soap collection kind of thing, which at the end of the day, that soap was somewhat important. And the greasing of the gate, which yeah, I mean, I got that. Soaping up the window, so I guess so that you couldn't see in. Although at nighttime, I don't feel like you're going to be able to see a lot in there, but okay. I really felt like that was really just the symbolism of like how many times you saw the soap drop into her basket. It give you the the numbers of how many people were in on it.
0: That's a good thought because... Unless I missed some story of
1: the meaning of soap, s-
0: soap collecting in another instance in history as being maybe
1: there sp- totally was. I don't, I don't know. I mean, um, I feel like it was just leaning into that using different ways to symbolize you know messages I'm in that kind of stuff Um, how many maybe how many bars of soap let them know how many lunches to make like that kind of thing you know I don't know but yeah when she was first like cutting up the soap and making something we're like what the job was she gonna make like some sort of slip and slide like it was like a home alone like booby trap like what is she gonna make out of this and then ultimately when it was like just to like grease the gate and stuff you're like did you have some like bacon lard or (laughs) is there no oil like having to do with the car or grease or something like i don't
0: take the gate off that night i mean shit nice not coming
1: back oh prop it open yo <laughs> i mean there, yeah it, it did seem like yeah you could just put like a blanket in front of the window stack a couple boxes i don't know but i'm going with the symbolism of like i'm in and you got to see that like a bunch of times okay again good. zero payoff it seemed with the janine june drop that lydia noticed at least right now I mean, we would have someone would have to pick that little nugget up and carry it all the way into the next season and remember it, which I don't see that happening. You wouldn't it would have been good to have Lydia somehow feel tipped, you Mm -hmm. know, and Mm -hmm. see that play a little bit like she didn't actually cause any trouble that we could see.
0: Or the odd Lydia um, Janine relationship that is yet another one of the odd unrealized potential threads from this season it didn't it it could have come into play somehow with that but again it was just another
1: so say that a little bit more for people who don't remember like so this whole season we had this weird seesaw of love abuse love abuse love abuse between Lydia and Janine
0: it's not quite mother daughter it's
1: it's like abuser and victim in like a funky way
0: I mean but right yeah by people who aren't Equals, um, kind of like mother and daughter, but not, not exactly. But yeah, the idea is that, uh, if you recall, that Janine just wants to do what Aunt Lydia wants her to do, and when she doesn't, then Lydia like freaks out and, and brings out the the cattle prod. And then, but until she does bring out the cattle prod, she's like sneaking she's like her cooking stuff, her hair and stuff. and
1: stuff. Yeah, it's real, real, real
0: giving her special eye patches that are out of uh compliance,
1: yeah, and defending it. Defending it, too, to, like, someone like Winslow. Yeah, again, I, that just that felt a little, like, wall to me. Now, here's the deal. Like, can every single thread pay off every time? Like, can every little story no. crumb? As
0: a Game of Thrones you know, fan, I can tell you, no.
1: Yeah, actually goes somewhere. <laughs> However, we only have a handful of characters.
0: Mm-hmm. This is not
1: Game of Thrones.
0: Mm-mm.
1: We don't have all these characters and all these possibilities. So when you don't explore really complex relationships... You just kind of let it fizzle. Uh, that feels like, yeah, dog. I mean, there was a lot there with Janine and Lydia that really, when you think like, well, what what could have happened differently? I don't know. That very end scene when she's being like toted off by all the handmaids could have lasted like 30 seconds less. And you could have popped in another scene of Lydia, like, I don't know, asking Janine a question or two. Making Janine be all like, meow, meow, meow. I don't know what. Something. Something to let this matter you know maybe Lydia did know and let it happen I don't know wouldn't that have been more interesting
0: it would but nope once once Lydia says her little little question about the soap where well, she's done for the for the season she's just
1: like what's going on with that and he's like I don't know Janine's a silly willy goat and that was like <laughs> it and they're like Mah, that's it okay weird All right, so they have these preparations going, and we got this little girl, Kiki, who shows up early. Kiki is another unrealized potential, my friend, because the conversation that she has with June seems very important, right? Mm -hmm. This whole idea of, like, why do we give a shit about Kiki? Why do we care about getting them out? I really thought it was really strange the way that this dialogue played out. Saying this whole part where she's like, you don't have to be a wife and you don't have to be a mom. You can just be you. That felt kind of like, what? What are you like? What are you talking about? You can just be you. And then the huge focus of like, and you can wear whatever you want. Like, like that is what you think is the most important part of Gilead right now is that she doesn't get to choose her clothes. That's like the, the problem.
0: Well, No. But maybe she's just trying to relate to her on some level that she'd readily understand.
1: Why would you readily understand that? If you were like, she was only like, what, 11 or 12 or something like that? How old could she possibly have been? We've already decided that they've been here for a long time. Why would she be like, yes, clothing choice is my number one pet peeve about my Gilead life? I don't know. Why wouldn't she say you could learn to read and then have her be on the plane and say, Miss, is this the place... I get to learn to read? And she's like, yes. Wouldn't that have been more fulfilling than this is the place where I get to pick whatever shoes I want to wear? Like, isn't that like really dumbing that shit down?
0: All right. Yeah, you led me to it. I see it now. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, mm-hmm. And I guess, you know, guys, I'm a wife and a mom. I also happen to be a teacher. There's a little part of me that, you know, you go back to debates that people have with women where it's like, whether you breastfeed or you bottle feed or whatever you do, whether you adopt or you give birth yourself vaginally or C-section, however you do life, it's your own call. Agreed. But then in that case, don't make it sound like choosing a wife and a mom is a stupid choice. Don't make it sound like that. Like you you don't only have to be a wife and a mom boo hiss on that. Say you have choices. You can be a wife. You can be a mom. You could be a full-time professional. You could stay a single person. Like give it choices. Not like being a wife and a mom is what Gilead is. Disgusting. You could be you out in the real world what if she accidentally wants to get married and or have a kid and be a mom (gasps) you gross beast you like oh my god you know like why'd they have to word it all like that the dialogue matters Mm -hmm. why'd they have to word it like that say you get choices and you get to read (laughs) not you give a shit that your dress is pink. Boo on making it so simplistic.
0: I agree with that whole idea. I just, I would just lean back on the, she's got to try to use the terminology and things that, that, that she knows the girl already knows. But you're right. It was, it could have been cleaned up in a way to make it r- resonate with. Not being so close-minded, um, that that singular Gilead-only point of view. Like she was trying to, she was trying to broaden her point of view to be like, actually, it's, there's more than Gilead out there.
1: Okay, so that whole Kiki situation though blows up into this whole other this business with this Martha, who wigs out, who decides like, we cannot do this. You know, my I can't believe that she actually had drugged the mother or the wife however you call her compared to the whole situation. The commander's wife in that scenario. (laughs) Um, And she just thought, man, she's going to come too and she'll just forgive us. Right. Again, under the whole like, hmm. Why did they let June let her go? I mean, there was absolutely zero reason to raise the stakes. This is Gilead. You do not have to raise the stakes by having this Martha go run out. You don't. In fact, it would be more like savage to have June fucking killer right there in the kitchen in front of Kiki that would have been some wicked shit
0: and this didn't work but cuz I'm cuz I'm, I'm I'm making this up right now but maybe they were trying to create a small question mark in your mind of will this book editor pull the trigger when she needs to now mm,
1: cuz she didn't pull the trigger then
0: cuz she didn't pull the trigger then she just
1: pointed the gun but didn't do anything
0: but however i mean in the last scene when she rolls over and shoots the guy and then shoots him again the the idea of her not pulling the trigger in that scenario is is like
1: nah right you know that's what i mean it's like it's like fake tension like you know she's gonna do it when she needs to and having that whole part where she like flips around and kiki's standing there and she's pointing the gun at the kid She holds
0: it on for like 10 seconds before anyone's like hey stop it and it's like uh you did recognize this was the child the moment you saw her
1: were we supposed to think that she's like lost her marbles yeah like somehow adrenaline and everything and she's just losing it
0: yeah i don't know that martha should have uh gone down in the kitchen
1: yeah and kiki could have been totally scarred like in that moment without having the gunshot point at her like she still would have thought june was a monster for killing her beloved martha you know like i mean the point would have been made you know that she just did something awful in front of a child whether it would be killing the martha or pointing the gun at the child. You could have done either, but it would have made a hell of a lot more sense to the story for her to be like, we got it. And, and not only that, but they kind of set the stage because that other woman had died in the house from a gunshot wound. And so they already knew how to like clean up the blood and take the body down to the basement and bury the body and all that. Remember that shit? Yeah. Like we sort of had like a little, you could have said, oh, that was like some foreshadowing to like some shit that was going to go on later. Now, no, no foreshadowing. Martha just bumbles off into the woods.
0: And causes trouble.
1: Yeah. Although she kind of seemed like a lunatic. So her going around babbling that like, the Marthas and the Handmaids are planning a whole thing. It's like, okay, Tina, go home, you know?
0: Should have, should have taken her out. I would have. It would have been sad, but.
1: I would have. You had to have been willing to crack a couple of eggs on the way to this whole thing. No? You had to have had that. She was
0: willing to let, uh, the, um, Eleanor Right, die. Um, exactly right. And she liked her. Exactly. She doesn't know this Martha at all.
1: Exactly. Okay, so then we have Joseph, Bebop in, and he's totally like, listen, I've decided we're gonna call this off.
0: No the thing is, uh, a Martha was picked up and now now they're doubling all the Right, she's acting a fool. Patrols.
1: Tina I don't actually know her name. I think it was Maggie. Just making it up. I think Tina's a funnier name. Maggie's kind of like
0: the llama from Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah,
1: Maggie's kind of like a soft name. Tina's like Tina! Damn it! Eat your food, <laughs> Tina. Yeah, it feels more like that. Okay, so yeah, we got the doubling down security. I get it. I know, I know, I know. But you would have had doubling down for security because there was like other shit going on. Like Winslow went missing. Other stuff. The Waterfords were missing. There was other mm. reasons you could have said that the security was doubled down. You didn't have to go with this storyline. It totally like bonkers didn't make sense part. This argument between Joseph and June, this moment should have been the actual obstacle to getting this done because he is is a man of authority and power and she is wielding a gun and trying to tell him that he is does not even have a place in his own home this should be the moment where we say is this really gonna happen is she really gonna be able to do this because here's the architect of gilead staring her in the face and they just let that just be like because she's the the producer so she just said like i'm in charge and then that's how it all ends that conversation just ends like he's like oh my God, clutch his pearls, leave the room. Yeah. Like nothing. Does that make any freaking sense?
0: Not really, because they had built up Joseph as intellectually superior to her, I thought, mm-hmm. and um, capable of wielding these terrifically multi-meaning sentences. I think he could, he could debate back and forth with anybody. And the only reason maybe he didn't was it seemed like she had lost all rational... Thought so? How could you keep arguing with her and, and expect to make any kind of headway?
1: It just seemed weird. I mean, in in addition to that, they had set the stage with Eleanor's funeral, where he gave her that wicked side eye, and he and he suddenly his his tone with her seemed different like he was suspicious of her like he they were not these like buddies anymore you know that maybe before they had been because eleanor was like their project keeping her safe and keeping her happy was like a project with them together but now with her gone when he folded his hands and she did the same move and he looks over at her they set the stage for like he's done with june
0: totally unrealized
1: and nothing happened I mean, all of you know Commander Lawrence's bravado and everything just flew out the window. I don't know that was a super bummer for me.
0: She was closer to the gun than him,
1: then make her have to threaten him make him make her tie him up, make her do something that like actually like where where was he for the rest of the story? Just like reading a book in his room
0: did he go back to the council I area? Don't know.
1: Maybe they didn't really say anything. They could have had him go to the council area. And when they were saying, oh, my gosh, you know, we think something might be going on. He could he could play it two ways. He could have been like, I think this is just an overblown Tina incident. And let's just get back (laughs) to business. Stop letting these flighty women get our attention when we need to be worrying about whatever, you know, Tina's Tina's. Or you could have had her had him like try to stick it to June and be like, you know what? I think Tina's got something to say. Let's bring Tina in here. Let's talk about what Tina wants to talk about. But again, unrealized, totally just like. Burr, burr, burr. <laughs> no. OK, so the most exciting part was definitely when we actually got the action. All the kids are showing up. You've got all these kids. You do have that super funky moment where um, like all the adults leave all of the children. So that they can go put the ties on the trees in the woods, which I guess seemed like a good idea. So they're
0: basically going to run the, the- The
1: entire gauntlet. Thing
0: twice. Yeah. Okay. And
1: mark their path where they're going to go.
0: Yeah. So that like,
1: remember that double security won't notice all those tied off trees
0: yes. in a row. <laughs> right. <laughs> like, mm, that's not, not smart.
1: And they left them all with Joseph, who has already said he doesn't want this to happen. (laughs) Yes. Boobery. This is boobery, Paul. Come on. God.
0: And they even try to try to give us that idea that Joseph might have
1: done something wicked. Yeah. They're like, Where's the children? Yeah. And then meanwhile he's reading to them and it's like, oh, okay. Joseph now suddenly enjoys children, even though Eleanor has said the whole time she wanted kids and he didn't. Huh? But now he's like Grandpappy Lawrence. Doesn't he
0: say that? Like one of, isn't one of his last lines? Uh, like I, I don't even like kids or something. Yeah. Something like that.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I, just, I don't know. I mean, you guys. I know you might be like, okay, come on. Caroline, come on, Paul, you're being too hard. You know, maybe Joseph saw these little faces in his basement and he had a real heart for, you know, what he did. And he's just really changing his mind. Although like five seconds ago, he just yelled with June that they were canceling the whole thing despite all the children in the basement. I don't buy it. Whoever's saying that to me, go sell it to someone else. I don't believe you. Because I think that that is just poor writing, poor character development. They had told us for far too long that... This is the way this relationship was heading. And then it just doesn't make any sense. Boo.
0: So there are a lot of minutes spent on this episode of doing what Caroline just said, running the track twice and then or once and then getting the kids and doing it again. Mm-hmm. Lots of I mean, there's no reason to really discuss all of that. Like they get to the airfield. It is protected by one Humvee.
1: Wait, can I say one other thing? <laughs>
0: With two guys in it. Yeah,
1: but I like to say one other thing. If you're traveling in the woods at night, girls and boys, and you don't want to be seen, I'm going to highly recommend you take those white fucking wimples off your head. And you tell the girls to get the pink ones off of their head. And you just put them in your little basket in case you need to use them for later. But if you're going to be trying to hide out in the woods and you have a bright white thing on your head.
0: You're much more findable.
1: Give me a break. Okay. So the, the cars stop up above and they shine the lights. I was telling Paul, do they think the children and the handmaids and the Marthas are in the treetops? Because that's where they're shining their lights. (laughs) The route, the road is far above where the land is. Why would no one step to the edge of the, the actual roadside and point a light down where people would be walking
0: you mean on the ground
1: right not pointed up into the tops of the trees just because that's what's even with the road do you think they're running some sort of crazy ropes course up there no how did gilead survive this long with such inept security
0: chimpanzees
1: ah every other time we've seen them you know, they're they're butting people in the head with their rifles. They are just like, shut up, no talking. Blah blah blah. Like they're like the tightest rain ever. And this time they're like, Hey, did you notice the moon tonight? It's a full moon, Johnny. <laughs> and then they just drive by the hundred people that are down below. Like, okay, sure. Yep. Sure. Yep. So we get to the airfield again, one car, two guys. That's all that they had available for the one major way out. Is the airfield not covered by people?
0: It seems like normally? it should be. Normally? Seems like it yeah.
1: I mean, and didn't we already have a season finale with June getting yanked out of a plane?
0: Not a finale, but an episode. Yeah, and that and she, but you remember she kind of needed to sneak onto that airfield too, and that was not a big deal for her.
1: No, she got right on. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You guys, if I own Gilead, <laughs> I'd run it very differently. <laughs> okay, I would know to look on the ground for people walking. I would definitely have more men at places like the aeropuerto.
0: And can you believe that she has never been like a U.S. marshal or someone that looks for escaped convicts or something like that? She doesn't actually know the the the, the official way of looking for people. This is all just instinct.
1: I I mean, I, yeah, I left FBI training the first week. because I was like, this is bullshit. I could do this better in my sleep. I was out of there. Yeah. Common sense.
0: All right. So we've covered this idea of June Coming to this realization that the only way forward is to martyr herself. Do you have anything else that you would like to say about that sequence?
1: I would like to say that I did appreciate Rita in this finale.
0: I was very glad to see her.
1: She um, was the most sincere, genuine, realistically written and followed her actual character arc of having really hated June at the beginning, to really feeling like, you know, coming around to having dealt with Serena and the first, There was a real camaraderie there that June didn't actually show back to Rita as much, but I really thought that Rita was exactly how a real person would have behaved. You would have said, please don't do this to June. You would have said, You know, I can't watch you die. You know, I don't want to see this. Don't want this for you. I can't believe, though, the one line that was missing there is like, what about Hannah?
0: Exactly.
1: What about Hannah? I mean, you would have said that. There's like no way. We went an entire finale and the name Hannah wasn't mentioned. Mm Mm-hmm how boys and girls how is that uh you guys can point it out you might say dailies you're idiots you didn't listen very well they said hannah 55 times but i'm telling you i don't remember hannah being mentioned and if she was it certainly wasn't like a moment of thought it might have been in passing but really just felt like rita herself maintained that little bit of like heart you know that like the rest of this kind of was missing it was a it was almost like a police procedural kind of feeling of like we've got to move the suspects from like place to place, you know this is like a movement of these people, right yeah, but Rita brought like the holding the baby and remember the bad times and june i'm here and i'm your friend and like she brought that like warm and fuzzy that we like really needed i thought
0: since we knew we weren't going to get it with june we needed some protagonist payoff and so so she got us that a little bit unless they do something with her in canada that screws everything up then then she got out and her her little story can be done
1: that's amazing. You know? Amazing. So let's talk about that for a second. So did you think that, that the children would make it to the plane? Did you think we'd lose any?
0: No, I didn't I thought it would be like a all or nothing. All or nothing sort of situation. Again, like if you go back and listen in a couple of podcasts ago, we were coming up with ideas about, you know, different reasons why the plane could be interrupted or come down or something like that. And and again, it's almost like they don't have the money for that sort of thing. So they don't even do it. it you know? So
1: And I think they that didn't was- even
0: show the plane except for just just like it going over.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say too. Like they never showed like the pilot, and the pilot was really fucking key because the pilot, that character had to be someone who was willing to ferry out all these children, right? And they well, never- to
0: basically never. Be able to make,
1: yeah, never be in Gilead again, right? Yes, of course. Wouldn't it have been good in some way to have had that character exist because it just didn't? It was like the plane was on like automatic, you know, it was just like, oh, and the plane like lifted into the like a hot air balloon, it lifted into the air and flew away. And it's like, no, there were people who were also collaborating up front who got like zero play. And it matters because if those people are real people, if they're real characters, they can come back and they can help again if we knew who they were and how they played into the story. But now we don't even know who they were, or why they mattered, you know? Mm-hmm. I was nervous, nervous, nervous. Again, my imagination is far better than the writers sometimes. I really thought it would have been wig, like you said, for them to land, open the door, no children inside or land in not Canada. Mm. Somehow land somewhere that was either just attacked by Gilead or something. And now suddenly there was some sort of roundup again. Y'all had to run or landed in a place that was like, like Switzerland. That was that like, I don't know if they're going to let you in or out. you know, something else. Like you could have added a like a third layer of like, it's not that just all these kids are free now. There could be, there could have been another step, you know, to getting all these kids to where they need to be.
0: But Instead so they land in Canada.
1: Yeah. So in Canada, Paul, there's millions and millions of people, you know?
0: Millions.
1: Millions. Now here's the thing. They only have like ten working the tarmac that night, okay, in the yeah. hangar. Three of which are people we know. Right. Moira, Emily, and Lucas. Now, mm, Paolo, why was Emily even there?
0: We saw her connect with Moira several episodes ago now and even like go in with her for like her demonstrating and that kind of stuff. Right. So.
1: But Moira has a specific job that works with refugees. That's her actual job. Like that's why she ran across Emily's because she had been like, hey girl, like I've like run the catalog of blah, blah, blah. Right? Yeah. I have this binder. I'm important about the refugees. What does Emily do? Like, there's no way that she has a job with the refugees. Like, what is she doing here? And like, why wouldn't she be like triggered as all hell by this situation when they really were focused on the PTSD she was suffering?
0: You know, I just don't hang out with enough humanitarian organizations to know if like if that sort of refugee recovery effort is done by like a like if a plane were to land in a in a in a given government does someone like i don't know UNICEF or something like Red Cross Red Cross show up and staff that Probably. or or is it that country's national guard or whatever No
1: I would bet there would be definitely like a humanitarian element like Red Cross or something like that
0: So Blade then shield <laughs> <I'm just
1: kidding. laughs> I just want to make you laugh. Uh,
0: That's fine. Thanks.
1: I just don't think that Emily, they had set us up for an entire season again, two seasons really, of her suffering from some severe PTSD. Her really having an awfully hard time being a normal person in society again, trying to be typical, trying to run a regular life and being triggered, seeing different things and, and falling against the wall, not being able to read the story to her kid. All kinds of stuff was going on with her that was like a real legitimate storyline. Yeah. Uh, Same with like, um, our friend, Lucas's original roommate... We're always going to call her Erin because that's what she is in real life.
0: Mm-hmm. She, she was, was an only...
1: important story of PTSD yeah. and an important part of the of the sort of like layering of healing process that was going on for different people. And it just sort of like they just like threw that all away to have almost like what people had been asking on, on the Facebook page that we run, Gilead Online. It's like people come. Could this... I've almost been looked at as like a series finale in that if you bring back all the people and you have them all standing there to greet Rita and stuff like that, that's sort of like one of those like you pan the camera across Emily and Moira and Luke and Rita and you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. as like a and now the series is done. You know, these are the people who got out and they got out because June died.
0: If somehow... Hulu hadn't picked them up. This could have, I mean, the Waterfords are in jail. The main protagonist is dead, but she did something amazing before she died. Yeah, that that does. It it
1: wouldn't have been super satisfying in that her entire journey had been to save Hannah. But if you looked at it from like a way larger standpoint, you could say she didn't save one child. She saved a hundred children. And so you could just go with that, you, you know, could, yeah. and say like, well then it was a success even though her own child didn't make it. And with Fred being a part of the authorities and somehow maybe getting enough information to dismantle Gilead, you could leave with a hopefulness that maybe Gilead's on the way down. You know, certainly Mm -hmm. they're willing to start doing these captures at the borderline, these like sting operations. So maybe we've got some real hope of seeing how Gilead could go down. Would everyone in the whole world be happy with that ending and feel like it was tied up with a really pretty bow? Probably not. But it's a much better ending than like a lot of shows get out there Mm -hmm. in terms of like actually wrapping up where people ended up.
0: So at no point in this whole ending sequence did I have any fear that June would not recover from her her wounds
1: i agree which again is just like that underlying like tension part just sort of being like pulled away from it because you feel like nah, elizabeth moss isn't gonna die nah and i mean that saying it just like that like elizabeth moss the human being is way too invested in this show like she's not writing june off the show the
0: showrunner within like a day or two of the finale playing said just point blank. Something to the tune of June is never being killed on this show.
1: Whoa. <laughs>
0: so. That
1: is a mouthful, man. Yeah. That's a mouthful. It's a,
0: I just paraphrased, but that okay. was the idea was that
1: she's Let's talk about this for dying. a minute because this is really, really, really important. As you guys know, very recently to this podcast, Disney has acquired Hulu big big deal because now those original shows that can be very edgy and very you know controversial now has to go through somewhat of a Disney filter and Paul and I had a lengthy conversation where I was really trying to rack his brain and I want to rack all y'alls what is the most controversial and or like edgiest show or Disney product that you can think of now that could definitely conclude like subs- include subsidiaries of it like a Hulu or whatever, but you know behind the scenes Disney owns them. I really want to know because that could really affect a show like this. If they have to sort of like dial it back a little bit, we might end up getting a whole lot more just like character dialogue and a whole lot less action.
0: Before anyone writes in to correct us, we do know that, Disney always had a stake in Hulu, but now they're the only stake in Hulu. So that's where we're that's where we're thinking. Because what what prompted this discussion was, I was looking through Facebook, and I get a lot of the. You know, the updates that were happening at D23 this weekend, which is the big Disney convention. If you want to know what was happening in the world of Disney-focused products, you would go to D23 in Anaheim. And they would tell you what's happening in Marvel, what's happening in their own animation, what's happening in Star Wars. And so someone posted a picture of a little shadow box, like vignette, of a handmaid's costume with a picture of Elizabeth Moss and a small placard. That said, Hulu and all this—it was part of the D23 display, and so it was. It was kind of like one of those I head-shaking kind of moments for people. I think when they were when they realized. Disney owns The Handmaid's Tale.
1: Yeah. And like how is that going to affect the show? Where is that going to go? It maybe it won't at all. And maybe again, maybe I'm being like extremely narrow in my view of what Disney is cuz certainly they own a lot of properties and there's a lot of things that go on in in these different franchises and 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 individual shows that, you know, m- might really shock us. We wouldn't consider it like family-friendly Disney kind of thoughts. But I really wonder if they are going to change the tone of the show if anything's going to affect this and you know moving forward i think that that's like a huge you know the disneyfication of all of our entertainment by taking up all of these franchises in general worries the hell out of me i feel like they've killed my movie going buzz hard because they have filled my box office with one type of movie and that's all i have the option to see and frankly i've already seen those movies so i saw them and i'm fine with it but i saw them so like can we have a different movie in the movie theater please
0: you know i know you don't watch it much and so that means the house doesn't watch it much but
1: Ooh, that means that, that
0: disney owns seth McFarlane's properties right the family guy and oh because they galaxy what is what does he call it the orville yeah um, because they bought fox because yeah
1: again fox has always been a more edgy little bit more you know controversial Mm-hmm. outlet it's no cbs you know it's no abc it's none of these like and i know cbs i'm just saying that's like for older people i'm saying they like try really hard to push the envelope on things like fox and hulu and things like that so now i'm like i don't know what is happening
0: the orville's moving to hulu I don't know for season three though. so yeah
1: I don't know. And again, like, okay, like is, is Disney like all Mickey Mouse? No, I know that guys. Like, I know that they have a lot of things going on that would probably shock the shit out of all of us, but I still think it's like, oh, I just don't like it when one, it gets painted with one brush across all these different types of entertainment. It feels like you can't help but put some amount of of color on that you know that feels like oh i can tell disney had their hand in this you know Mm -hmm. so i don't know so looking forward i think that we should try to make some sort of prediction here in terms of like what next um we we know that that We're positive that June's not going to die. But will she face any consequences for this? Is this going to be anything at all? And are they going to get enough information from Fred and Serena to really make a go at doing something from the outside, pushing back in to get people?
0: See, last year when she escaped and then, uh, you know, we kind of had this a little bit of the same situation where she had basically gone on the run from her commander and was in the wind. And then returned, basically returned herself to custody almost right away, right? Yes. She didn't really mean to. She got herself caught by the guardians when she was trying to steal Hannah again, right? Right. But, uh, but... Uh, Which again, uh, can we
1: just have one pause, Paul? Remember, everyone, had June knocked that shit off, Hannah would have lived in the same neighborhood as all the children that got rescued. But because June could not stop bothering by just like standing outside the school or wandering into the house and staring at her with no freaking plan. Hannah is out of pocket and not a part of the rescued children. So I'll have a moment of frown at June for that.
0: So now she's in the wind again. You already know that the guy that plays Commander Lawrence isn't coming back or isn't isn't expected He has a new show. So, So, uh,
1: having a new show means like unlikely to do much, but a very small guest role, which is frankly all he's really had anyway. So,
0: yeah. So then we're left with the idea that she may be unaccounted for at someone's house.
1: Yeah. I guess you're, so you're, they got to
0: take her somewhere to recover
1: right true
0: so either yeah. someone's house or um see
1: i think i like think an outlying you don't area. think she could just go back to Lawrence's house i mean he doesn't have to be around but you don't think that that she should just go back there
0: man i feel like you know when everybody wakes up from the martha's drugging them and all the kids are gone i think their little burg is going to go ape shit
1: Tell me, what do you think is going to happen?
0: It's already pretty tight security and all that, except for when it's not. So I, I, I can't really uh, quantify how it's going to get tighter, but I could just see it being tighter. You know, escorts everywhere you go, checkpoints everywhere you go, random searches, that kind of thing. That would make it worse and make it harder to to, to keep her somewhere. So maybe, maybe it makes more sense to find an abandoned building and stash her in that.
1: Intrigue. I mean, we've kind of already done that story in terms of like. I know, I know. <laughs> I like you're like I know, I know. Well, I mean, I don't know. What do you think? I mean, I, I don't know what you do with him. I don't know what you do with him. But I know that I know that he has his own show coming out, um, and so I don't know that. Not as commander, it's not a, it's not a spinoff. I don't want to raise your hopes that it's like a it's like a, a like. In this one, Joseph Lawrence plays a nanny to, like, three kids who, like, right. lost their homes. And he's like, nah, 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 the madcap. Like, C- who's the boss? C-
0: Commander nanny. <laughs>
1: oh, my God, you see. Oh, no, it's, like, totally June in him. And it's like, who's the boss? And they're, like, arguing. You're in charge. No, I'm in charge. Who's in charge in this house?
0: It was funny. Like, I saw him. He was he was a background actor in the recent Godzilla movie.
1: I Yeah, I'd read that.
0: And he plays just sort of this smart mouth nerd. And so... To see him kind of switch gears to be this uh, snarky, uh, sarcastic guy that uses very plain language and wears like Bermuda shorts is, is different than a uh, cultured uh, scarf wearing man that, that we have come to know.
1: Okay, so get this, though. He is going to be in the the new NBC sitcom, a sitcom, folks, called Perfect Harmony, okay? And he is a former Princeton music professor who finds himself unexpectedly presiding over a small-town church choir. Woo! Wow! Gobs of comedy in that—that's just fertile ground for wow. comedy.
0: Haven't seen that much church humor since Amen.
1: <laughs> I think. How many times do you think the line "You're preaching to the choir" gets used? <laughs> <laughs>
0: that'll, that'll, be, that'll be the like. Uh, Did I do that? <laughs> kind of thing
1: catchphrase. I love it. I love it. Well, all right. Before we leave, we should say some things that we liked about this season because, you know, we do watch the show. We will continue watching mainly because we always feel like, you know, once we've committed to a show, it's right for us to just like see it on through. I will be real honest with you. If we did not have that commitment, I probably would binge watch these, but I probably wouldn't. It wouldn't be like appointment TV for me on like a Wednesday night. I would just wait for a while and then collect them up and watch them mainly because of how we've seen how they don't pay off stories and there's there's really not like a huge reason to sit and ponder every single week what do we think is gonna happen because that doesn't necessarily you know jive with what they end up doing at all mm. so um what are tell me tell me three things you liked about this season paul <sighs> <laughs>
0: Three things I like. That's a little Rick and Morty joke for you guys. (laughs) Three things I like. When
1: he's thinking that's what Rick does, he goes... (laughs) 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 Here, I'll say one. I really liked that they gave Serena the full follow through on getting Fred tricked. At the border and that Toulot did not do anything lame at the border and be like, "Mm, on second thought, we're just going to ask you to stop. I'm really happy that it was a full follow through of taking Fred all the way to the Canadian lockup and that Serena really did that. I was happy to have that amount of movement on that story.
0: Like I think I've said earlier this episode that the payoff of getting the Waterfords in jail is... Is pretty good. That I think I can agree with, even though I didn't originally come up with that on That's my okay, own. It's
1: okay. okay. I can okay. agree. It's a daily review with
0: it as a like the June character. Man, you said find fine things I like, and I'm growing to really not dig her so much. Let's see. Um, <laughs> I mean. <laughs> There was uh, there was some camera work.
1: <laughs> okay, yeah, I would say okay at the begin the, the beginning half of the season. Yeah, you and I commented a lot about the camera work. Actually, there was a lot
0: of really intentional shots where they took advantage of architecture and lighting color. and stuff. Yeah, color. Yeah, to, to create these uh, very unique, visually striking shots. That Agree. You, do, I mean, if you if you're turning on a sitcom, you'll you'll never get that. Kind of artistry in in uh, TV. I love that. So there is a high level of even if we think the story had some disappointing parts, the craftsmanship behind the actual construction of the physical parts of the episode is is still top notch.
1: I very much agree with you wholeheartedly. We talked a lot about that at the be- the beginning half of the season. I'll also add that like I was really glad that we got out of our tiny little burg that we were in and we did go to dc and we did have more of that world building in terms of seeing the big cross mm-hmm. made out of the washington monument that's, that's what i was about to say seeing what happened to the lincoln memorial like i mean there was a lot there that at least expanded our world even for just a moment and gave us a chance to get a you know i think that that really struck us as viewers in the season like if you had to say like what was a moment where you went like oh, that was a moment where i was like oh my god you know yeah In a good way. If the throwing the disabled people to the dogs was a, (gasps) in a horrible, you're disgusting, your writers are cheap and foolish uh, moments, then I would say that things like the Washington Monument turned into a cross and Lincoln beheaded was a, (gasps) and like a, whoa, that's striking. And that really hits you at the heart of like being American.
0: I I mean, I felt pretty strongly, especially with the, I I think the Washington Monument got me a little more because they turned it into the the cross and that that i thought was physically probably impossible on that on that scale to to do that but but then um but i thought it was just defacing it you know the even even and i think that that's probably a weird thing to say like turning something into a cross is defacing. well it is when it's a memorial for somebody else
1: see in my head i thought the decapitation of lincoln was actually more disgusting because it because it It represented a real human being, and then that made me feel like they just have no regard for life, like, at
0: all. Well, by doing those two things, though, it almost speaks to the idea—and they also kind of blasted off the writing that was behind.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure.
0: That speaks to the idea of a very 1984 idea of, like, rewriting history in the present— terms you know Gilead history won't mention those those men there's no reason to Mm -hmm. I mean Gilead only started five years ago that's it's a very thin history book you know it it doesn't need to go back further than that for them
1: I think we're up to 10 but yeah
0: okay 10 still I mean the boys are just going to read a pamphlet of, of history that that started with probably the great overthrow of this terrible place that was America.
1: For sure. I mean, and there's no reason for it to be anything else because, I mean, as Americans, you know, we start off with, you know, Founding fathers and stuff like that, or exploration. We don't we don't spend oodles of time thinking about the thousands of years right prior to us. We don't go through all of Native American history before we start teaching founding fathers and stuff. We mention them as part of when we got here. There were people here, but we don't talk about their history or as individuals. Being history really. of the land, right? And so there is no reason why they would talk about Lincoln and Washington because they aren't important to Gilead. You know, right? So yeah, that makes total sense to me. Yeah, I think that those those were more of those visuals that like they really that and i think that we had some good musical moments too that i feel like that some of the music was like oh man that was a good song or you know mm-hmm. where they played in and you felt like yeah that was a nice layering into this those that was that is what makes this show a different quality level than others even if we pick apart moments or where we wish they took the story differently there's still a level of like storytelling is not just writing the story down and having an actor tell it but there's like the props and the scenery and the lighting and the music and how we actually compose those things together that really make it stand out as a, as a show to watch.
0: And with that, we will just let your minds boil over with your own ideas of what might happen for Season 4. We will see you in a couple of weeks when This Is Us gets going in September.
1: Thanks so much for listening!
0: Bye. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to
1: bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse.
0: Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Pod Clubhouse.